Michelle Laflemme. And I want you to pay attention to this. She has a wealth of knowledge and she gives so many key points. She talks really quick and she gives a ton of key points. You might want to listen to this interview a few times. And if you have any questions about it or you, something comes up where you go, I wonder what she was talking about there, feel free to reach out to me or feel, feel free to reach out to her. I'm going to pass on her contact information for all of you. But before I get started to introduce her a little bit, she is a real estate investor. She has leveraged a, a lot of other people's money to build a massive portfolio. Her and her partner, Alyssa, who I also interviewed yesterday, my time, but I, I don't know which, which uh, podcast I'll put up first or second here. We'll, we'll see. Pay attention to what she's saying. Pay attention to how she's saying it. Pay attention to her energy and see how she draws people in. She is somebody who is, who is fantastic. She's willing to help people. She has high energy. And I know you're going to enjoy this podcast. I am with Rochelle today. Now, Rochelle, you've got, well, first of all, I already interviewed your business partner, Alyssa, yesterday, uh, which was which was fantastic. I'd like to get your perspective on this, because I know even with, within an organization, different perspectives are valuable. So maybe maybe share again kind of where you came from, your background, where you are, you're at right now. You're a real estate professional. You do a lot of things with real estate investing. Uh, so give me a quick rundown of that. Yeah, so I'll try and give you like the shortest, uh, longest story ever. But it basically, I've been a workaholic from way back. I've always had two jobs ever since I was 16. I've always loved money. I've always loved working really hard. And, you know, life happened and went on and I just get bored really easily. So I probably within my working life have had about 30 different jobs. And it's not because I got fired. Like people beg me to stay because they're like, wait, you're like our hardest worker. I'm like, I know, but I'm bored. So I got to go. So thanks for everything. But, you know, peace. And um, then what happened was I was turning 28 and I was like, you know what? I got to like get a real job kind of thing. Right. So I decided to get a trade. So I actually applied for an apprentice apprenticeship and electrician apprenticeship. So what ended up happening again, I always say like, you know, the universe is wild and sometimes you put intentions out there, but you don't really know what you're going for all the time. And that is what literally the trajectory changed completely for myself because I ended up meeting Alyssa in my first year of trade school. And uh, I'm not sure if she told you the whole meeting in prison story. No. But, uh, okay, yeah. So essentially, that's how we met. So she usually says that story. But essentially, we met in prison because one of the um, teachers for the apprenticeship course had come to each of the classrooms asking if any of the female um, apprentices would go in and talk to the women in Pine Grove Penitentiary, which is the female jail in the city we were in, um, in school because we were an hour and a half away. Anyway, so I went and volunteered, Alyssa went and volunteered, and that's how we actually met. So had we not both volunteered there, we probably would have never met because when we were in class, I was a first year, she was a third year. I don't even know the names of the people that I was in actual class with. That's yeah. how little I paid attention to, right? I was just there to get my schooling and move on with life. So anyway, from there, Alyssa actually helped build a basement suite, my own personal residence. And then from there, it's just been like, boom, 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 boom. And so, yeah, there's, it's a long story, but essentially where we are now is, um, you know, Alyssa had used her divorce settlement money to pay for our rich dad education back in the day. So we got educated. We came out of, you know, 10 months of training and we had no cash, no credit. So we're like, let's go be real estate investors with no money and really no means to make it happen. Right. So we had to get really good at creative financing. So that's really what we did. 
we honed our skills and from there we just kind of learned. So we were flipping houses, we were JVing a couple deals and then we were like, you know what, you know, how are we going to amp this up? And then our market changed. It went from a seller's market to a buyer's market. So, you know, basic real estate investing education, good real estate investors buy in a buyer's market. So we were like, let's go buy houses with no cash and no credit. So that's when we started what we call now our hassle free landlord program. And uh, then, you know, it just kind of grew from there. And we were like, there's lots of people who know they should be investing in real estate, but they're too maybe fearful or maybe time challenged or maybe just lazy. But we were like, we want to work. We want to work hard. So let's partner. And essentially, that's where we've been able to grow from controlling one property, you know, four years ago to essentially um, blowing up the business. And we're now at 350 properties and we've crested over the $50 million mark and we're doubling our portfolio every year. And yeah, it's been a wild ride and I love every day. <laughs> so you, you've just, you've said so much there. I want to unpack know, a little sorry. bit of it. No, it's not a problem. That's fantastic. Uh, it, it, again, I'm, I'm coming back, coming from the, the standpoint of money and thinking about money and how we need to think about money. One thing that I think is very valuable that you said right at the outset was you found the right partner in a unique way. So you were both action takers and you were both givers. You were, you were volunteering at the prison together. How much of that matters? And maybe give a little bit of insight as, as to how important a, a, the right partnership is and any advice you'd give for people that way when it comes to building a company. Yeah, you know what? I honestly never in my wildest dreams ever thought I would ever have a business partner. So I generally am a lone wolf. I do really well alone because I always say like, you know, it's my way or the highway. So if you don't like it, there's the door, you know, that kind of mentality. But, you know, I did take, we have taken a lot of personal development and um, a lot of self training and, you know, all that kind of stuff, figuring out how we tick, figuring out how we can be the best versions of ourselves and all that kind of stuff. And so I ironically, I went to, I had gone to my first ever personal development seminar a week before I met Alyssa. Right. And I look at it and it's like such a catalyst for like all the changes that completely have unfolded since then. And, you know, I look at it my, as my reward. So it's ironic because when Alyssa had uh, we were talking in class and I had actually taken a month off of school so that I could finish this basement suite because I had bought this house eight months before. 10 months by the time I finished school and I had the intentions of building a basement suite. But ironically, when you work 80 hours a week there's not enough free time <laughs> to do the things. So I told my boss, I'm gonna take a month off. I don't know how I'm gonna get this done, but I'm going to get this basement suite done because I want this revenue coming in and then you know it'll make my life a little bit easier. So I had told Alyssa that in conversation and she just lit up and she's like, I'll come help you. And I was like, whoa, like thanks, but no thanks. Like I am very giving uh, with my friends. I keep my circle really small, but my friends are, you know, friends and family are really important to me. And so everybody knew that, you know, I'm always there if they need help, but people had knew I was working on the space and suite and they're like, I want to come help you, but I know how you are. And I said, yeah, no worries. I a hundred percent get that and I appreciate it. And I want to preserve our friendship. So I'm going to leave that right there. Right. And she was like, no, I, I need this. I want to come help you. And I was like, crazy lady. We've only known each other for a few weeks. We're quickly becoming fast friends and I don't want to ruin that. And she's like, no, it'll be great. And I can take a month off too. And I was like, what? So anyway, she convinced me and I was like, this is so not going to go well. Right. So I, you know, so anyway, I agreed to it. And Alyssa shows up on the first day and, you know, and I told her, I said, I, I can't pay you. Like I budgeted just enough for materials. And she's like, that's okay. Can you feed me? And I was like, sure. And, you know, so she was basically my slave labor. And I was like, oh my gosh. So she shows up on day one and, you know, I, we go down into this basement and we're starting to work and I'm telling her what we're going to do. Right. So I'm like, we're going to do this, 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 this. And, 
you know, here's Alyssa. Yes, yes, no, yes. And I'm like, no, there's the door. Told you this wasn't going to work. Thanks, but no. And she's like, whoa, 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 slow your roll, right? And then she would explain a better way, right? And I always say, I can't argue with logic. So really, that's kind of how the whole month went. And then at the end of the month, you know, we had shared a lot and we had talked a lot and, you know, really gotten to figure out how each other ticks. And I'd never worked so well with anybody in my life. So for me, I guess it was just a little bit of kind of like trial. And again, really the connection, because, you know, Alyssa always says, well, you know, I worked 16 years of high voltage power line construction. I'm used to dealing with, you know, middle aged burly men. So you're nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so one, there are a couple of things in there. One is that you guys kind of fast-tracked your relationship and found out what worked and didn't work in kind of a stressful environment. Totally. Um, so again, I'm going to come back to, to money in different ways, but you guys both come from a trades background. And I think trades people have a certain reputation when it comes to money and thoughts. Um, and I, I'm not going to say that or, or not say it or anything, but what what has changed in your money mindset? You own more than fifty million dollars worth of, of real estate right now. Control. Sorry, sorry. Control. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, so you control more than fifty million dollars worth of real estate. What is what has changed in how you think about money? You said you've always enjoyed money. You've always liked money. What has changed in how you think about money? Yeah, you know, a lot of things. And I, you know, sometimes like life just has to happen. Like I look at, you know, some of the young kids that we associate with in real estate investing, like I spend a lot of time on the road. I spend about half my time on the road. Most of our clients right now, our partners actually come from the GTA or GBA, right? So I just came from a month being on the road and this was kind of my farewell to Canada tour. Um, we can get into that later, but essentially, uh, there's people out in Toronto area. They're like Mike Rosehart. He's re like retired. He was retired at 24, I think, or something like that. Whatever the, yeah, just, just a baby, right? And he's like slaying life. And I was like, wow, that is so amazing. And his story is impeccable too, because again, he came from not great, you know, not the, the financial savvy background and stuff. But it's just, again, like sometimes life happens to you. Sometimes life happens for you, depending on your mindset. But it's, again, knowing the knowledge and then applying it, right? And so had I known all the stuff I know, you know, 10 years earlier, well, I would have totally been retired at 25 or 30, right? But again, that wasn't my journey in this lifetime. And that's okay, because I'm still going to be retired at 40. And, you know, lots of people don't hit that either. So it's, you know, I think it's just doing and being open-minded and then actually like leaving yourself open to like just learning and educating and surrounding yourself with amazing beings because we are who we hang with. And I know there's some people that don't, don't believe that. And I always say, well, do an inventory of the people who you surround yourself with, because I guarantee you, you are the sum of all of that. Yeah, that's really important. You, you've, you've talked about how you've learned from others consistently and there were kind of two parts that you brought out there. One is that you've learned from others. Secondly, is that you've been open to doing that even though you're a little older than other people who have made it. Uh, and I, I hear a lot of the time, like, I'm too old. People who are 40, 50, 60, 70, even whatever. And I go, you're, you're never too old. If you if you're too, if you said you're too old, your perception is that you're not going to learn and you won't. Um, it's like the, the, the Henry Ford quote of if you think you can or you think you can't you're right uh, 100%. yeah like, yeah totally hmm. that is one of my favorite quotes because again our mindset like it all starts here 
right? Like I have crazy goals and, you know, people have been shitting on us for years. Like, you, you know, when we first started, we were like, we, we didn't know where we were going to go with everything. And, and people were like, well, what's your goal? And we were like, I don't know, take over Saskatoon and then the world. Like, that sounds like a good goal, right? And, you know, here we are. Okay, so at the beginning, when we started off this interview, you threw out a lot of jargon. You talked about like JVs and, and you talked about right, yeah. flips and you talked about all these different ideas. How important, and this is a very, to me it's important, now I want to hear your advice on or your thoughts on this. To me, it's very important that we partner with people who do have money. We, we So many people think that if they, they, they have to do everything themselves. And you've talked about your mindset when you started off um, and th that you, you've partnered with with hundreds and hundreds of other people in order to grow your portfolio how important is it that we that we joint venture that we that we find other people with money and how do we utilize other people's money yeah that's you know such an important shift for people to make i believe so again you know what i don't knock other people's strategies we all do our own thing right and so i always say the way Alyssa and i looked at starting our business and growing our business was we always said you know what it's going to be better to have a slice of a watermelon than all of one grape right and you know what some people do the all of one grape strategy and that is okay you know we one of our neighbors at one of our houses right like that was actually our first rental property that we bought and he came over and he's like who are these girls that bought this house and whatever so we were chatting and back in the day we were just girls with wild ambitions and you know this huge vision and people were like yeah okay and that's okay you know people have haterade and i'm like that's okay but just throw your shade somewhere else because i'm not taking any of it right and that's fine stay in your lane so ironically you know every year we kind of like run into this neighbor and stuff and he at that time has i think six properties he owns them all 100%, right? And he's some, um, I, I, he's a different ethnicity. I wanna say like he's Ukrainian or something. So again, I get it's a different mentality. It's a different time. They don't like debt. They don't like leverage. They like to own everything. And I, But it's interesting because again, I'm not gonna like force my views on people, but I always want people to be able to know there's a different way, right? So I've always kind of seen it. I said, did you realize like if you leveraged one of your properties, took out 80% of your income or your uh, wealth or whatever it is, your money or equity in that property, you could turn around, get mortgages on four more properties. So then those in 25 years, those other houses will also be paid off. So then you literally have five times what you could have had today. Right. And I, again, I just want to make sure people understand that I don't expect them to, you know, completely shatter their belief systems and be like, I don't feel okay with this, but sure, um, Rochelle told me, so I'll do it. I don't expect that. I just want people to understand that there's other ways. So anyway, so I talked to them, him about this a few years ago and he's like, no, 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 I'm good with what I have. And I said, that's cool, right? Cause again, like that kind of money, that's probably going to fund that like him and his wife are happy and that's probably gonna fund him and his children's lives very well, right? And I said, but for me again, I just, I'm an overachiever. I just, I'm a grinder. I'm a hustler. It's, it's the way I'm wired. I, I just can't stop. It's just the way I am. Right. And so again, I always say like, know yourself because then you're going to be able to complement and build out a path for you. But for me, I was like, but dude, you could leverage those houses and literally like have a mini empire and it could literally be like intergenerational wealth get, that could change your grandchildren's 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 future. Yep. Like that is so powerful. And he's like, no, I'm good. Okay, man, you do you as long as you're happy. So that, that oh, again, important points here. 
one thing you've, you're talking about leverage. So in real estate, just to break it down for everyone, in, in real estate, you can put down 20% on a property and the banks will give you 80% of the property value. They'll put that money down. So what happens is you're saying if you've got, I don't know, let's use simple numbers, $100,000, you can put $20,000 down and the bank will put down $80,000. Now, if you had $100,000, you can do that five times. You can own five properties. But there's another thing with leverage that you're touching on that I think is brilliant. And that is when you own, so people, people get really freaked out about debt. And I'm going to ask you about that too, because I want your opinions on that. One thing about leverage is that you also make more money on your money. So if you own 100% of the property, it's $100,000 and the, 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 uh, the property value goes up by 5% in a year, you earn $5,000 on your $100,000, you've made 5%. On that same property, when you put down 20%, you got down $20,000 in it, it goes up by 5% in value, the bank's covering the $80,000. Now when that property is sitting at 105, you've made $5,000, but it's $5,000 on your 20. So now it's 25% return on your investment. I don't think a lot of people understand the power of leverage. So maybe maybe touch on the power of leverage and then I wanna ask you your, your, your opinions on debt because it does freak out a lot of people, but I know that you're covering it in different ways. So maybe, maybe share both of those points. Yeah, so I'll touch on the first one. Again, the leveraging thing, it's so crazy because I always say leveraging property is the cheapest cheapest money you will ever find because it's tied to a hard asset, right? So yeah, you need to make sure you can pay your bills for the mortgage because otherwise the bank's going to take that property back, which is why they don't care about leveraging a property they, because they know that generally most people, when they have 20% skin in the game, they're not going to walk, right? So again, they feel safe with it. You feel safe with it. So you go get a mortgage at 3%. And you know, again, even if you're just cash flowing, there's a train passing by. I'm not sure if you can hear it. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> okay. So essentially, it's just again, it's uh, the bank. It's they're mitig they're minimizing their risk because it's a hard asset and they know the value there. And so again, if the bank's willing to do that on property, isn't that a great indication that that's probably a really solid investment? That's just the way I look at that, right? So and what they, you're saying is that if, if a bank is saying this is great for us, there's very little risk, then that should also be telling us, wait a second, there's less risk in this. That's the way I look at it. Will the bank finance you going out and buying stocks or mutual funds? No, no, Never. you have to go 100% all in yeah. and you take 100% of the risk. So what happens when the stock market crashes again, just like it did in 2008, you end up with what pennies on the dollar maybe you only lost half okay cool so i always question people especially when i sit down with potential investors right my favorite is sitting down and having a discovery session phone call with people who are interested in this stuff but they don't understand all the mechanisms and then i do a proposal for them and they're like like mind blown right like i just sat down with a client yesterday they're buying their third hassle-free landlord house with us setting themselves up for their fourth okay and literally, he's like, you girls have literally changed our lives. They are going, they're setting themselves up there. Um, so the wife's already retired. The husband's going to be retiring in three years. Okay. And he's like, you guys have helped set us up for so much financial success. We're actually going to be retiring and making more money in retirement than we are right now. Yeah. 
Like, do you understand how powerful that is? Like, I'm just like, oh, you know, and I just said like, thank you for letting us be part of your journey because we couldn't be where we are without our investor clients and they could not be where they are in their financial journey without us. And if that is not the complete, like, you know, epitome of win-win, I don't know what it is. So this is another aspect of leverage that you're talking about. We can not only leverage banks, we can not only leverage money, we can not only leverage people's time. Like when we, when we have a skill and other people have something of value and we leverage each other, just like your partnership with Alyssa, just like your partnerships with, with these cash uh, partners, whoever it is, when we're partnering, we're, we're, we're growing together and we don't increase by two. If we have two people, we're increasing by three or four or five or 10 or 20. Yeah. It's like, it's so beyond powerful. And I understand when you were talking about the good debt or, or sorry, the debt scenario. So I always put things into categories as good debt and bad debt. So obviously good debt is something where you're going to get debt and it's going to put money in your pocket. So it's an asset, right? Whereas bad debt in my brain is a liability. It's going to take money out of your pocket, right? So again, I'll sit down with somebody and try to explain this if this is not their world, right? Sometimes it's, it's literally a paradigm shift for some people because again, you don't know what you don't know, which is totally fine, but at least people are looking around and they're asking the questions, right? So if somebody is open-minded and they are open to learning a different way or a new way, I will 110% have that phone call and take my time to spend with that person, right? And it's funny because I actually plaster my phone number everywhere. And I tell people like, look, if you wanna reach out, you have a question or you know whatever if you just need a boost or kick in the pants like you know i am here you can call me anytime and it's so interesting how how many people are afraid to pick up the phone and to reach out and that's why for me when people actually do i 110 percent give them you know my undivided attention and anyway i don't coach or mentor i have no interest in that but i just love having you know a meeting of the minds and being able to you know, vibe differently with different people. So anyway, with that, it's crazy how many takeaways in one conversation, somebody would be like, oh my gosh, like I got this out of that and this out of that. And I'm like, okay, take your notes, go apply it or don't. I don't really care because it doesn't change my financial future, right? But it could greatly impact theirs. And so that's where I like, you know, being able to kind of get people's wheels spinning a little bit differently. But yeah, that's how I look at debt. Puts money in your pocket or takes money out. Okay, and I'm gonna ask you more specifically about that because I don't know if a lot of people understand what you just said. So money, and I'm gonna get, paint the scenario here. So bad debt, what you're saying, and then and you, you fill this out here. So bad debt is I take out money on my credit card and being charged 20% per year on that, on that debt and I'm buying a vehicle, I'm buying a, a TV, I'm buying a couch, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Good debt is and this is this is very important for anyone thinking about investing and understanding investing good debt is i'm taking out money let's say on my my own home so it's, it's backed by something so it's really cheap debt now i'm paying only three and a half percent maybe on this debt and i take out a hundred thousand dollars and then i put that hundred thousand dollars into five other homes and i make 25% on all those other homes or 20% or 15% or 10% or whatever it is. But I, I make more on that debt than what I'm paying. So if I'm paying three and a half and I'm making 10, for example, now I'm making six per six and a half percent on money that was just sitting there doing nothing. Is that basically what you're saying, Michelle? Yeah, a hundred percent. It's the power of leveraging. So it's interesting because we'll sit down with somebody and, you know, and are there qualifying questions before somebody could potentially invest with us, right? Essentially, I want to know what their financial goals are 
And then I want to backtrack and I want to find out what they're working with, right? Because some people have cash. Some people have lots of equity in their homes, right? Which again, if they are working and they have good debt service ratio, you know, income versus expenses, they can potentially tap into that. And then actually a lot of people have underperforming invested funds, right? So a lot of times people are, you know, piling money into mutual funds or stocks because they're buying RSPs and they think that they have to put the money in the stock market, but that is a complete myth. And a lot of people don't realize that, right? So we can actually utilize people's underperforming RSPs, TFSAs, Liras, R, R, or sorry, RESPs, like any registered product that people can use in the stock market, we can actually literally work with them, getting them double digit returns and backing it by real estate, right? So again, a lot of times when I'm sitting down with people, they're just like, this can't be legal. And I'm like, yes. And we have helped, you know, navigate a few people towards their path of financial freedom by using that strategy, right? So very powerful stuff, but I always tell people like, you just, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And if you don't know to ask, or you don't know that you should be looking at different things, like you're kind of screwed before you even like walk out the door. Okay, and, and Rochelle, I think that we could probably go on for hours here, just like you said before we before we set up this interview, but I, I, wanna, I wanna keep it tight here. One thing you've mentioned is that you constantly looked for help, mentorship, uh, guidance, coaching from others. And I, I'm sure you've paid lots of money for that. And you've, you've taken a lot of time and energy into that. What I found as I meet wealthy people, I found that they're some of the most giving people I know. And you've mentioned that you've mentioned you pass to your phone number all the time. Same with me. I put my cell phone number everywhere and yeah. very few people take me up on it, but I'm always willing. If somebody's hungry, I'm always willing to spend some time with them. What, what is your experience with wealthy people in general? What is their mindset? What kind of people are they? Yeah, I, honestly, for me, again, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, there are two types of wealthy people. Okay. There are the wealthy people who are literally there because they, they think very abundantly and they have done the right things and surrounded themselves with the right people and they've gotten there the right way, right? Then there are some wealthy people that are, they look like they have it. They maybe have a lot of money in their bank accounts. They have the fast cars. They have the pretty houses. They have the lifestyle. And then you meet them and they're just a sack of poo. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, so I'll keep it clean. But <laughs> but honestly, like, you know, it's just like they're just toxic. They're not like great people. Right. And so for myself, like I don't pay attention to how much people have in the bank account or, you know, what you know, what exactly assets people have, because I truly evaluate people as like, you know, as themselves and their beings. And it doesn't matter how much money somebody has, in my opinion. I look at like how literally, like how abundant, do, uh, uh, sorry, how abundant of a life do they live, right? And so that's how I evaluate true wealth because I've met, met a lot of people who have a lot of money and they are just plain miserable. And I have met a lot of people who have a lot of money and you would never know. They're, they're, have you ever read the, the Millionaire Next Door? I've read parts of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant book in, in that sense that what we think about wealth and what actual wealth is, it are often two different things. Uh, I think that the average person looks at, at TV and goes, oh, this is wealth, and they don't realize, oh, wait a second, they're, they're truly wealthy people, the people who are really well set up, think differently than what is what is splashed all over their TV. 
it's wild. And we actually have quite a few millionaire clients. And I know they're millionaires because they have over a million dollars invested with us, yep. right? And again, diversification is a big deal. So I know that that's not their only million. But literally, I love meeting with my clients. And again, like we don't partner with every person. Like sometimes I'll have a meeting with somebody and they have a lot of money and they think because they have a lot of money that they get to write the rules and that they get to, you know, run us. And I'm like, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. We're not going to work together because this is not in alignment and I am not your, your monkey or whatever, right? Like we're the ones who are bringing the systems, the teams and the knowledge. You're bringing the cash, the credit or the underperforming investment funds, which together we couldn't get to where we are. Um, or sorry, apart, we couldn't get to where we're going together, but we need each other, right? So if, if you're going to act like you are one up on me because you have some money, that's not going to fly. So I will literally be like, that's great that you have a lot of money. I'm not interested in working with you because we're not in alignment here. So peace. And, you know, and I will gladly let that person walk out the door. And sometimes people will be like, you're crazy. That was a big fish. And I'm like, but that was a big fish, not in alignment. And when I'm working with people, I want people that are like, this is an amazing thing, an amazing opportunity. And I'm like, yeah, man, I got you. And you know, we're like super, super tight. And like our investors are like family, right? So that's the people I want to align with. Okay, well, let's wrap this up. And I want to summarize maybe a theme of what we've been talking about, because every interview goes in a different way. <laughs> Where, where this seems to have gone is the importance of partnering with the right people. You've partnered with the right person in your business. You've partnered with the right people consistently. And you'll say no to people, even if they've got millions of dollars to give you, because it's not the right fit. Finding the right fit and leveraging other people's expertise or money or experience or whatever that is, that that is a key element to growing wealth. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think when some people deviate, from that, that's when people get themselves into trouble. Yeah, good. So, so when we when we go against what we know, we need to stick to it with, which is a general yeah. rule of wealth. Again, when we do something out of the ordinary, that's usually when people make mistakes. Because that's when the universe is going to wind up and kick you in the pants. <laughs> okay. Well, Rochelle, what are the best ways? You, you said you throw your phone number out to everyone. So, what are the best ways for somebody to contact you, either for for a little bit of help or whatever? But but more specifically, if somebody wants to invest and grow their wealth. Yeah, for sure. So I, like I said, I always put my phone number out there. So uh, my number, get your pens, here we go. So it's 306-717-7848. And my full name is Rochelle Luff Lamb. And I am very active on Facebook. So I have lots of Facebook friends. I run it as a business page. Like my, I, all I do is work. I work 24 seven. I love what I do. So people like send messages to me on there. We connect that way. I'm on Instagram. I check that every once in a while, but yeah. And then our Epic Alliance Inc page. I don't run that, but I still get the messages that come through, but we have a social media person who runs that. Um, so that's another way, but yeah, give us a like, give us a follow. It's always an adventure on there. So Epic Lions Inc. And yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for your time. I'd encourage everyone to do that. If, if you have appreciated something that Rochelle has given you over the last 30, 40 minutes, then go to go to some of her social media sites and give her a like. That that's that's appreciation, something that you've been given for free and that you can you can help her out a little bit. Rochelle, just to, to make sure, this is Epic Alliance, so E-P-I-C Alliance I-N-C Inc.com. Yeah. Okay. Uh epicallianceinc.com is our website, yes. Okay, good. I will make sure that that's posted on, on the podcast, all right? Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this.